Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Uh, I'm joined today by Mr. Billy Shaw from Rotherus Solicitors. Billy, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. It has taken a little bit of time, I have to say, chasing you down and getting you pinned down. But I know, I know what these busy solicitor types are like. Um, that's a good question, actually. What's the difference between a solicitor and a lawyer? Um, so, for, for, first of all, to address the first point, apologies. Uh, I, 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 I have um, taken my time to get back to you. It's completely my fault, my end. It's been a busy. You're period. a busy man. You're a busy man, mate. That's fine. That's fine. But, You're keeping keeping people people safe and sorted and that's it that's, that's exactly it and, and thank thank you for thank you for the introduction pete that's that's great so to your question um the difference between a lawyer and a solicitor so uh, the lawyer is actually an overarching term as to somebody who practices in the profession of law okay a solicitor practices in the profession of law because we we deal day to day um with clients depending on what area of law you do um you you perform your role as a solicitor um, a barrister is also a lawyer um, and they represent people in court. So in my area of law, I deal with contractual drafting and um, buying and selling of businesses and things like that. That's generally not a contentious area of law that requires somebody to actually go to court. Um, and so un- until things get contentious, there's there's no need for a barrister in my specific field. But yeah, the lawyer is the overarching term. And then under that, you've got solicitors, barristers, legal executives, um, and so on and so forth. Nice, spot on, mate. Um, and Billy, it's a it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I um, I, I recently interviewed, or not so recent, it's probably a little while ago now. But people who are avid listeners, the the two avid listeners that we do have now, I'm joking. We have a few more, hopefully, that are listening to the podcast and that. Uh, but I did interview Chris Powell of Rotherus a little while ago, um, and he has helped support flagship and and myself with uh, with some work, as have yourself, Billy. So um, obviously just sort of to give if you're okay to just give a bit of introduction to yourself and what you do at Rotherus uh that'd be that'd be great mate if that's okay absolutely so as introduced my name's Billy Shaw I'm a commercial solicitor at Rotherus just breaking that down a little bit what Chris Powell did at Rotherus was transport regulatory work um so directly working with with transport companies on on regulatory matters um, and in front of the traffic commissioner um, great bloke, great mentor to me over the years as well, particularly in, in relation to things that, um, that that focused on on transport matters. So, got to shout Chris out there. Actually, nice. What I do is is commercial and corporate work. So I work with businesses generally, um, but because the firm's got a transport specialism, I work within this industry as well. Um, on the commercial side it's things like drafting and negotiating contracts it's things like drafting your terms and conditions for you privacy notices for websites intellectual property trademarks all that sort of stuff and then on the corporate side it's all about how your business is set up so it's buying and selling businesses um... apologies man i don't know if you could hear that but i've just had i've just had like a a bit of plant drive past outside Uh... No, no we, we keep it real on this podcast, mate. We keep it real. 
that's exactly that's exactly the way, the way it should be. So yeah, buying and selling businesses, company restructures, um, shareholders agreements, and things like that. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. And um, okay, so oh, interestingly, we were having a bit of a conversation before we went live, and like it has been a, a solicitor, something that you've always wanted to do and and what sort of what's the background before that because it sounds like you've had a pretty cool history mate so so i i I grew up on a council estate in sheffield um starting from right from the beginning and actually i always wanted to be a dj (laughs) believe it or not i love it because you got the headphones so you just need the decks mate that's exactly (laughs) it that's exactly it And, and i went to this youth center um, where the idea behind it was, it was a bit different from other youth centres, is they taught the kids how to DJ and produce music. After a bit learning all of that sort of stuff, I ended up getting pretty good at it. And they offered me a job doing the same sort of role, youth work, when I was about 16, just before sort of college. So I ended up falling into youth work, which I really enjoyed because coming from an area which wasn't the most well off, um, it was good to give something back and make sure that the kids had something to do and all that sort of stuff. So I did that whilst I went to university, whilst I studied at college, because I always knew that law was probably what, what I wanted to do in the end. I didn't quite know what area of law. Um, and, and so, yeah, I was, I was a youth worker prior to prior to going to university. Um, went to university, studied law, ended up falling in love with commercial and corporate law, um, which is what I do now. And then once I'd qualified and or got into a, a job in law and, and changed professions, I always wanted to sort of stay loyal to, to the cause of, of youth provision in and around South Yorkshire. Um, so I, I'm also a trustee of that particular organisation in, in Sheffield and Rotherham. It's called Jade Youth and Community. Got to shout that one out as well. Love that. Love that, mate. Do you know what Do you know what I say to people? And people think I'm nuts, but when I've made it, when, when I've used you to help us sell my business for millions of pounds at Flagship Partners, people say to me what would they like what would i like to do in the long term and if i had all the money in the world and money wasn't an issue i'd like to teach young people and vulnerable i would say men who have families and those kinds of things how to be entrepreneurs how to be yeah. and run businesses that yeah. that is like i would i would love that more than anything else that'd make me give me a really nice warm fuzzy feeling I feel like I was contributing. That'd be that's my aim, long term, yeah. to be able to make enough money to not have to worry, uh, yeah. and to be able to do that with people from sort of underprivileged backgrounds. I think because that, debt that's and all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, it's massive. And I think if you can, like, so I, I particularly focus on like the male side of stuff because I think like there isn't a lot out there for men, and I yeah. think there's a lot of guys who come from sort of vulnerable backgrounds and and like they have such an impact on a family environment whether they're with with mums or, or not with the mums they're still the role model for those children growing up so i think if you if you can do great work and make them better better guys not yeah. as in they're not already good guys you know what i mean yeah. but they could yeah. you, you make them sort of uh have better lives and that impacts the people around them i think yeah i think, uh, no, I think you, fantastic you, yeah you're up you're absolutely bang on because particularly when you go in sort of underprivileged communities it's the lack of opportunity that really sets the community up to fail Mm -hmm. because nobody's seeing opportunity nobody's seeing actually you can you can do this that and the other and actually you can you can really do great things in in whatever you want to do what they're seeing is there's no opportunity in in, in this area so the only thing that we can do is is get a job that sort of pays average try and tick the bills over or or we, we we rely on the government and unfortunately 
that happens in many underprivileged areas as a result of the lack of opportunity. So I I, I love anything like that, particularly when it comes to entrepreneurship, because I, I also think that the educational system sometimes lacks on that mm. point slightly, doesn't it? It teaches you core subjects that you need to get through. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, it seems to me like that's a bit more of an extracurricular type thing. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting you mention it. So this afternoon, after we've finished this, yeah. I'm actually off to a local uh, secondary school to, right. speak, to speak to the teachers about about careers and about entrepreneurship and about how they can start to develop uh, the careers conversations with with the with the students at the, yeah. at the school. So yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. That's a little voluntary thing that I do, mate. So yeah, oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. So is that, is that a local secondary school, is it? Yeah, yeah. So I am uh, I got myself roped into this programme where I'm, I'm their employee, I think I'm called an employment advisor. So as a local as a local business ad, a person and, and employer in the area, I just, I can go in and help support them. So a good example is they've got their careers fair. Um, they've got their careers fair coming up. Now, prior to me previously, and I guess it just sort of shows the impact that someone in, in a small business can have, um uh i the careers fair was like 15 15 employers i think the last one so 15 employers and they were all like army police nhs like big big sort of companies yeah, organizations yeah. yeah yeah and and this time since i've been the employment advisor and just been helping the school's careers person in in there we've now got 35 signed up uh for oh, the careers fair and there's amazing. a lot more we've got like hair and beauty we've got the RHA, we've got um, us, uh, yeah. we've got a few smaller businesses as well, basically, like local employers as well. So yeah. you've got, hopefully they'll be able to see like a broad, a broad range of different stuff yeah. and experiences. Because I think, you know, showing, showing the students that there's lots of different routes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah, not, it's not just it's not just finish school, get your qualifications, work for a large organization for the rest of your life and maybe build your way up in that organization. It could well be finish school, start a business, achieve a mission that you want to achieve and build that business. Yeah, exactly. Could exactly be. Exactly that, mate. Exactly. No, I, could I, could I, well I, be, mate. I applaud that, Pete. Yeah, could well be. Brilliant. Yeah, appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Um, no okay, mate. So um, we, we've massively digressed, but that's all good, right? So yeah. let's talk. Let's. T the, the, the purpose of this call was really for us to talk about contract law which is your specialism right contract law and particularly the application so our listener base is largely transport managers of which some will be employed internally within transport businesses and some will be external uh, transport managers some will be consultants um, and some some might just be safety specialists and that kind of thing as well and i know you've got a broad broad scope in that you deal with businesses from any sector whilst you do understand the transport sector which is which is great too so are you able uh, do we sort of start with talking a bit about what t's and c's and contract law is is that yep. sort of a good yeah, starting point so, so it, essentially what, what i'm going to focus on is more about your terms and conditions with your customers if we say that or customers or clients so if you're a transport manager that'd be the operator um if if you sell widgets that'd be your customer generally down the supply chain and the reason you have terms and conditions is because without them there's a whole raft of things that have not been considered as to how you're going to do business with that particular customer so things just generally like payment terms how long you're going to be in contract with them for 
who's got the risk of any goods that change hands? That's a general one. Obviously, doesn't apply to transport management services. Um, at what point do the ownership of those goods change hands? What happens if the customer's not paid for the goods and and, and later on down the line, you know, they never pay for them? Have has ownership ever passed and things like that? So without T's and C's, you're operating on just probably a conversation that's been had. You know. You're, I'm going to provide you these services um, and you're going to pay me on a monthly basis. Um, that doesn't take into account how long the contract's going to go on for. It doesn't take into account how um, how the contract's terminated. Um, and it also doesn't take into account what obligations, quite importantly, are on the operator. So you have a contract drafted broadly just to make sure that you've got something in writing um, and to make sure that, that, the, that the business decisions, the business um, model is actually reflected in writing and all parties have got a particular intention that's that's reduced to words um and so whatever business it is generally it's always a good thing to have either a contract of some sort or terms and conditions specifically focusing on transport managers though which obviously a lot of your listeners will be Pete. Mm -hmm. there's quite a few more things to think about and, and mm -hmm. focusing on external transport managers because they're the people with the terms and conditions with the operator. Just just before we go there, can I just ask a quick question, which yeah, is at what point, and it, 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 it's sort of relevant to me sort of as I consider it, so at what point do T's and C's become applicable in that I, if I go into Tesco's and buy a sandwich, there's no T's and C's. I've bought the sandwich. As soon as I go past that till, I've taken ownership of that sandwich. So are T's and C's best applied in service-based or product-based businesses, or is it B2B? Uh, you know, what what sort of, at what point do you think that someone needs to start considering uh, the, the terms and uh, having a set of terms and conditions? Okay, so, so it's both in, in all aspects. If you're, if you're somebody who provides products, on a business-to-business -business or a business-to-consumer basis, you should have a set of terms and conditions, and that's also important when it comes to to services. Just just pointed towards your, your example of, of going to Tesco and, and buying a sandwich. Other supermarkets are available. Obviously. Other supermarkets are available. <laughs> um, the reality there is that you've got a product that's cost you very little money, and you're buying it from a supermarket that can really hack somebody going in and saying this chicken's off, you know, swap the sandwich that they're, they're not, they're not that bothered. But when you're talking about, for example, somebody who's providing um, materials for the construction industry and they're selling hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of products every day on an e-commerce basis, there becomes a need for terms and conditions, particularly where that product's then getting put into something that's going to create a bigger structure. And what if that, products faulty where does the liability lie later on down the line so that that's where you separate that from because i've had this question asked by me a few times I've, i didn't get asked to sign any t's and c's when i bought my can of coke from sainsbury's this morning other yeah, supermarkets available yeah <laughs> but but it, it it still applies the difference between supplying products or services to businesses and supplying products or services to consumers is that when you're dealing with consumers Generally speaking, the law will step in to make sure everything's fair in that contract because there's an imbalance in bargaining position, right? The business that's providing those services or those goods to the consumer is in a position of power and the consumer is deemed not to be. And so what they want to do is make sure that that's a fair 
compromise. And so they brought out a piece of legislation called the Consumer Rights Act, which puts quite a lot of rights and fairness in, into, into the consumer's hands. So any terms and conditions that you draft, which you try and make applicable to your relationships with the consumer, will only be effective insofar as they align with the Consumer Rights Act. And actually, it goes a little bit further than that. If you try drafting a set of terms and conditions that don't comply with what the Consumer Rights Act says, it may be seen that your T's and C's are aggressive and they may seek the attention of the likes of trading standards and whatnot. Could could result in penalties, which is why it's always probably a little bit more important that if you are going to have T's and C's in place for a business-to-consumer relationship, you seek advice. Um, Business-to-business, obviously, you've got more flexibility to to deal with that relationship as you will because there's not the consumer element of course of course that's really interesting actually thanks billy sorry i didn't mean to make you digress if no, you're no, able no to, yeah sort of uh yeah so when we talk about t's and c's for transport managers external yeah. transport managers that kind of thing yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely and uh, obviously before i move on i do appreciate that Terms and conditions, whilst quite an educational topic, is is a boring one that only the likes of myself <laughs> really find interesting. <laughs> I, no, I think I think you'd be surprised, particularly with our listenership, because they're in, they're in compliance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think I think what's important is making people realise, like, I always think it's as the trainer in me, the trainer in me always says, you need to make people realise why it's relevant to them. Because yeah. a lot of people listen to this and go, oh, I don't need, I don't need that. But actually, we're going. If you're listening to this and you're in that position, you you need some T's and C's. If you haven't got them, you need to get some. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are many transport managers who who do both transport management, um, which is the regulatory function, um, usually under some form of undertaking to the traffic commissioner, uh, and there are people who who also do at the side of that transport consultancy or, or, or business as have some form of transport consultancy where they're able to tell people not from a regulatory stance of standpoint but more advisory what they should be doing to remain compliant so that's two sort of sets of terms and conditions and i'm going to focus on the transport manager side of things if i may yeah one of the one of the things that's been uncovered quite recently and actually having spoken to chris powell on a number of occasions about it it's become quite clear that the law allows you only to be an external transport manager if you're an individual contracting. Mm-hmm. So people trying to incorporate companies and, and contracts with operators as a company, the, the, the traffic commission is not going to take kindly to it and it's not really going to be compliant. Mm-hmm. So you're an individual contracting with the operators in, in contract. The reason why I mention that is because it becomes ever more important to make sure that your business relationship is completely spelled out because if all if, if anything goes wrong it's not a limited company on the line which you know is protected by the fact that it's a separate legal person to yourself individually it's the individual it's you that's who that's where the breach lies that's where the compliance errors lie potentially and that's where that's where the, the breach lies so that that's just the, the the first and foremost point I'd make as an introductory point in that there's quite a bit of liability potentially placed on an individual transport manager. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. 
We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your four's accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score, give flagship partners a call today. And obviously, like any other set of T's and C's, they deal with all of the commercial points that you've got to get right. Payment. How do you take your payment? Do you bill monthly in advance? Do you bill monthly in arrears? Do you bill after every job that you've done? Um, do you bill fortnightly? Do you bill weekly? Do you take deposits? That sort of thing. It all needs to be spelled out in your T's and C's anyway, because if it isn't, then one word against the other as to how payment's going to be taken. Is it 60 days, 30 days, all that sort of stuff? That's yeah. the first thing. And there's all sorts of commercials like that. One thing that I think is always very important to transport manager contracts is actually how long that contract's going to go on for. Because you'll know, as an external transport manager, you're limited into how many operators you can take because the law mm -hmm. thinks that actually you can only give attention to, to so many operators. And I think that's four over a combined fleet of 50 vehicles, that's right? That's correct. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so if you've courted a business for some time to be providing them your transport management services... You want to make sure that your bottom line is protected for a period. So you want to make sure that they can't just turn around and say, ah, you've been with us a week, but thanks, but no thanks. Because then income's just gone, hasn't it, by one of the operators. It's not like you've got loads and loads of customers that, that are going to be using you. That could be massively significant to your mm -hmm. top and bottom line. And so the way that you can deal with that in a set of terms and conditions is make a duration clause in there. So this contract's going to be for a period of three months, six months, 12 months, and you're going to be obliged to pay me for three months, six months, 12 months. So that, that's one way of, of, of saving that. That's sort of, sort of a mechanism of making sure that you have got a contingency plan in place. If somebody is making noises, then actually this relationship's not right for them. Yes. One thing I would just put as a caveat on that, that doesn't mean that you can enter into a contract with somebody for a period of time breach that contract and then expect it to still remain effective. The law just won't allow that. If you breach it, you know, that there, there will be ways to get out of it. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. It's duration of contracts, which I always find quite interesting that without T's and C's, you've just not got that protection, particularly as a mm -hmm. transport manager. As I say, it's not like you've got a massive amount of, of customer base that you can go to. And potentially, you know, you've, you've uh, liaised with a particular customer for quite a long period of time to get that, to get that contract in place. It'd be a shame if that bottom line could just be, could just be wiped straight away absolutely so that, that's essentially the uh, the first the first point that i'd make is okay. the duration of contract mm -hmm. okay have you got any questions on that on that point yeah I, well so i think uh, i think that is really interesting in that essentially what we're looking at for a for an external transport manager who then operates as a transport consultant is potentially yeah. two sets of t's and c's yeah. If they're operating as a limited company as a transport consultant, yeah. and then the other the other big bombshell is obviously if you're if you're operating as an external transport manager under a limited company, which a lot of people are, then then strictly speaking, that and I guess that's sort of the let's just explore that a little bit because I know I've had some advice on that. So if you're if you're an external transport manager operating as a limited company, that there is an issue there because the contract will state that the operator is dealing with the limited company when actually it's the individual. That's kind of like a breach of contract, isn't it, so to speak? Yeah, specifically, yeah. Um, I mean, when it comes to regulatory matters, I'd, I'd have to sort of defer to our, our transport regulatory team. But as far yeah. as my understanding, that the mischief behind the legislation is 
the thing that the legislation tries to help and, and, and obtain is if you're a transport manager or an individual, there's some person there that you're dealing with and it's that person that you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a company, then the likelihood is that that person can be interchangeable, you know, yeah. anybody within that organisation. And that's what the regulator doesn't want. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why why the regulation's in place. But bottom line is you're dealing with an individual. And so when somebody purports to be a corporate transport manager, um, the likelihood is that, that that contract's just regulatory, not sound. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So if a, if a contract, for example, is between the individual and the operator, uh, if it's, if the, and, and so say the contract is between the individual and the operator, but the operator is paying a limited company for that service, that's, that's essentially a breach of that contract as well, isn't it? Because the contract needs to be between the who's being paid and, and, and the operator. Yeah, well, well, the, the, there's quite a few issues with it. The, the 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 law will will look to circumstances as to where a contract's in place, and one of the indicators as to there being a contract in place is to where the money moves, right? Okay. So if if money goes from the operator to a limited company, the law may well find that there's a contract in place there for transport management services, which, from a regular regulatory point of view, isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That makes so, yeah, sense. No, no real way around. Yeah. Okay, bro. Okay, bro. So moving moving on from there, then. So the next step is to look at the T's and C's around the the limited company doing business with a limited company as a consultant. Yeah. 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 So terms and conditions from a limited company point of view, when when it is is essentially providing services. Um. When when you're a transport manager you've got a regulatory duty to an extent and you can be held liable for certain failings of the operator because yeah. you're a transport manager and you give certain undertakings. And so there's a need to make sure that that's all dealt with in your, ter in your terms and conditions or contracts. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind me just talking about that bit first and then I'll move on to, to the other stuff. If that's yeah, that's, right. that's so, absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely. And could you so, just define the difference? So we're talking about T's and C's and contracts. They are two different yeah. things as well, aren't they? Yeah. Terms and conditions are your standard document, which includes a load of text on there, um, which you'd provide to somebody with a purchase order, that sort of thing. A, a contract is something that's headed contract, signed at the end, um, similar to an employment contract, that sort of thing. Perfect. Your terms and conditions ultimately will form part of a contract. Yes. Okay. So uh, another thing that I think is quite important, specifically to transport managers, is is obligations for the reason that, I, I've just mentioned, unlike as a consultant, you've got various obligations in regulatory law to ensure that your operators are compliant. And, and some failings of the operator, if it's found that the transport manager was negligent in, in performing those duties, the transport manager could be on the hook. So from my point of view, when I'm drafting contracts, I'm always thinking, well, what obligations can we put on the, op on the operator to make sure that they are listening to what the transport manager says? Because there's always a conflict, right, between the operator and the directs of the operator and what they want to do and the transport manager trying to fulfill their regulatory duties. There's always the opportunity of a conflict to arise there. And most operators do want to remain compliant, but in many respects, there may be a decision to make on their part because it hurts their pocket and 
the transport manager mm-hmm. potentially then in a difficult position. Absolutely. So one of the um, one of the points that I'd make on on that really is to actually contractually oblige your operators to listen to the advice that you're giving uh, and to follow the advice that you're giving, provided that you're giving it so that the operator can remain compliant with their obligations. Because if they're not doing that, potentially it's putting yourself at risk as a transport manager. Um, Which brings me on to my next point, which is all about termination rights. If you've got a contract for three months and you're providing advice to an operator and that operator is not following your advice and you're thinking to yourself, well, this potentially is putting me in a bit of a sticky position here because I'm under a regulatory obligation to make sure that they're compliant, for example, you're going to want the opportunity to walk away from that business to prevent yourself from any harm um, in in the future, both to your reputation and to your ability in some cases, extreme cases, to act as a transport manager. Uh, And so you you come on to termination rights. Uh, And how I've dealt with this before is said that there is an obligation on the operator to follow um, the advice, provided that it's reasonable advice, of the transport manager. And, And if they don't, then the transport manager can terminate the transport management contract and walk away. Perfect. So that, that's that's why I think it's quite important that there's so much liability resting on you personally. It's not just contractual liability that a business can sue you if it all goes wrong. Ultimately, if you're found to have potentially breached your obligations to the regulator, you can have your livelihood stripped as a transport manager ultimately in extreme cases. And so it's very important that these contracts have, have, have got mechanisms in them to allow you to to allow you to sort of terminate should it Perfect. cause any harm so what, to your reputation. So what, what 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 you're saying is that if you've got the right contract in place, essentially the the operator is obliged to follow the advice you give. And many, many will resonate with this as they listen. If the operator then doesn't uh, follow the advice that's been given, you can then terminate the contract, but you can continue to be protected by the contract in that if you're signed for three months, they will still need to pay even though even though um, they've not they've, they've breached their contracts your dues. Well, well, well that, that's a, that's a sticky area. Okay. If, if they if they were obliged to continue to pay you, even though mm-hmm. you're not providing any services, if that went mm-hmm. to a court, say on a debt recovery matter, the court's likely to say, You've not provided them any services. You've cut your losses. You made a decision to cut your losses because you didn't want to harm your reputation. That, yeah. that, that there shouldn't be anything payable. But obviously, yeah. there may well come a point where where you want to sort of walk away. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Good to know. Okay, brilliant. So, um, what else would a transport manager need to need to think about then, Billy, when it comes to making sure that they've got proper coverage from a contractual point of view? So the transport managers under quite a lot of obligations when it comes to the regulatory side of things. So that, that that's the that's the overall point, isn't it? And it's always good really to spell those obligations out so that also your operator knows what obligations you're under. Because yeah. you've probably all been in situations where a director just thinks that that you're sort of being a little bit pushy on the regulatory side, but they don't quite understand that you're yeah. under these obligations yourself. So we quite like to spell out those obligations. Um, in the contract as well, so that it's easier to sort of explain, explain to your um, to, to your to your clients, your operators. Yeah, that's another thing. And then, yeah. as I say, commercially, payment terms, um, provision of services, what level of service you're going to provide, 
but a lot of that really is governed by what le what level of service you have to provide under your obligations yes. to the regulator. Yep. That's unlike um, terms and conditions that relate to transport consultancy, which is yep. a core commercial matter between two businesses, which which I'll come on to. Yeah. Okay. Okay, bro. So it's uh, it's quite complex, isn't it? It's really quite complex. Yeah, and, yeah uh, the, 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 there's quite there's quite a lot to think about, uh, which you know to an extent a lot of the listeners will, will know and understand that. Um, okay, so let's move on to transport consultancy then, and and limited limited companies. What's uh, what what do we need to think about there? So transport consultancy is obviously separate to being a transport manager. Um, it's essentially where you set up a consultancy, as you know, to to provide services to to allow people to remain compliant. Could include auditing, training, things like that. Um, essentially, what you're doing there is you're providing a service to a business and you're under no obligation, really, to your regulator. Um, uh, and so in those circumstances, you've, you've got a little bit more of a free hand in terms of what you put in your terms and conditions. You can do things like limit your liability. So you might limit your liability to the value of your insurance. You might limit the liability to the value of the orders placed, amount of services provided, that sort of thing. Um, termination rights you're probably going to want the same anyway you're probably going to want the right to walk away if if somebody's um if somebody's breaching the contract but you might not be so bothered if they're not following your advice of course you want your you want your clients to follow your advice and you want them to remain compliant and generally speaking if they've instructed a a consultant it's not because they have to it's because they want to and so the likelihood yes. is you know they're going to follow your advice which means that there's probably no real need for strict obligations on your operators in the in those circumstances but there's also, um, you know, things like, you know, the, the dedicated amount of time that you have to provide when you're a transport manager. That all falls away when you're when you're a consultant and it's all contractual. You know, yes. how much time are you going to provide? And these contracts can be between limited companies. So your limited company on the one hand and the operator on the other hand. Yes. Um, so generally speaking, you're, you're protected by the limit limits of liability there anyway, unless you, um, you know, personally guarantee your 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 duties yep. really okay. um, another thing that I'd say as well is it comes down to standard of service so without a set of terms and conditions if you're a transport manager you, you've got to give a particular standard of service you've, you've got to be competent right yep. um, and, and of course as a consultant you've also got to be competent I'm certainly not saying that but the law will say that you've got to provide your service with reasonable care and skill um, in your um, T's and C's, you can control exactly what that looks like. And that's not to set the bar really low, because, of course, that that probably has a commercial effect on whether your customers want to accept your T's and C's. Because if you're saying, yeah, I'm going to go into business with you, but I don't have to really do much for my money it's you know <laughs> they'll 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 tell you to tell, tell you to get lost won't they but they're uh, gonna find someone else to do it won't they yeah well exactly exactly but there's you can control if if they've got an issue they should come to you and that's not what the law says but that's what your t's and c's might be able to say and you know they've got to have a chat with you about it and you've got to try and rectify it you've got to have the opportunity to rectify it and things like that perfect perfect that's uh that's really really good so are we saying then that a transport consultancy who also does external transport management. So a transport consultancy standalone that doesn't do any external transport management, that will be one set of T's and C's and it will be one contract and that will be for retained services and that might cover 
a range of different services, including training, transport consultancy, anything like that. Um, however, what, what I'm understanding is, is that that limited company to limited company, that's kind of your, your business T's and C's and your contract. And then as an individual, if you do external transport management work, that is slightly different. It does need accounting for on a separate basis to the rest of your business activities and uh, and you need to have it it needs to have its own set of, of documentation to help support that that's certainly advice from our point of view for the reasons stated it's just yeah i mean even when it comes down to how long your contract's for what your retained services are for if you're a consultant you might well have got quite a quite a lot of opportunity for fallback but if you're a tm straight away you're, you're limiting yourself to four operators for 50 50 vehicles in total so you've got to really think about how commercially you make that work uh, and then when it comes to obligations on the operator obviously that becomes far more important and so you need to make sure that your contract accounts for that so from an advisory point of view we'd certainly advise two sets of t's and c's that cover both brilliant brilliant okay so i guess like just some more generalized questions then so you 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 do this service what What's like the most tricky business that you deal with? What's the most tricky type of business or industry that you deal with for terms and conditions and contracts? That's a that's a difficult one. I mean, I mean, I would because we like to think we're tricky in transport. We like to think we're the trickiest type of type of business. But I was just interested to see if you can dispel the myth. Well, I I I I'll tell you in terms of the act the content of the terms and conditions we've always got to think about the regulatory side, which helps because we've got a transport regulatory specialism department, right? And and not many firms have got that. So if somebody in the transport industry goes to, you know, a, a, any firm without a transport regulatory department, then they may struggle to draft you a set of terms and conditions that are suitable to your business. Yeah. So from that point of view, it's tricky in terms of the content because it requires the heads of more than one person. It, it doesn't just need a commercial lawyer it also needs somebody feeding in on the regulatory aspects but i'd say that that goes to any regulated industry if there's a particularly regulated industry so insurance brokers by the fca that sort of thing then then those t's and c's would be would be tricky as well because you'd have to consider that regulation um okay. whereas if you're working for somebody who provides landscape gardening services which isn't a regulated industry um not particularly then the T's and C's would be a lot more straightforward to draft. Makes sense. Um, but but in terms of the client base, obviously I've worked with quite a lot of people in the logistics industry, and it's it's always a pleasure to work with with people from that industry because obviously people are just amenable to the advice. They they, they accept the advice and 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 are grateful for it, um, as opposed to you know sort of uh, yeah sort of trying to find ways around the advice potentially and and things like that so yeah, yeah. I, I like working within the, the logistics i think i think that's one that in in a way because there's regulatory guidance it makes things a lot simpler to an extent doesn't it because it's just it's there that's these are what we've got to abide by these are the duties these are the expectations it's it's actually really quite clear which kind of simplifies it a little bit doesn't it i suppose as you use the example of a landscape gardener they um yeah you know they're going to go oh well my mate my mate doesn't do that so yeah. i'm not sure yeah. i need to worry about that let's uh yeah let's not worry about it it makes yeah. things a little bit more complex doesn't it so yeah and, and, yeah. I, and i've had i've had clients previously come to me and say well um you know i've 
the, the, my competitors this business. I've I've gone online. I've found their T's and C's. I'm copying them, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's going to save me X amount of pounds. Now, that's fine, and and hopefully for that particular person, those those terms and conditions or contracts suit their purposes. But every business these days is different. You know, it, mm-hmm. even if it comes down to the nitty gritty commercial side, it's not really about what you do. It's about what what you do in business mm-hmm. uh, and, and how you undertake business and, and things like that. So, yeah, we, we'd always advise have oh, somebody sit down with you, discuss your business model. It's led me on to a great question, which is a lot of the listeners will be on Facebook forums where they share share a lot of stuff now. When it comes to T's and C's and contracts, there's a, there's a few external transport manager contracts that are kind of t- kicking around and they're available in the document section of some of these Facebook groups. What what sort of advice have you got for people if if they're willing to sort of go, oh, do you know what, I'm going to save a few quid and do this? What What's the risks involved in doing something like that? Um, it may be the case that they suit your business purposes. However, it's more the case that that would be... they may never have been drafted by a solicitor in the first place they they may they may well have been they may well have been no but they may not have been as well oh no got you yeah well exactly so they might not have been drafted on advice and i think the more important point is every set of t's and c's we draft we sit down with a business and we discuss their business model and i'm yet to find a set of t's and c's that i've been able to replicate from one business to the next and i've done loads of them which says everything that i i think you need to know about how different your T's and C's can be from one transport manager to the next. You may have different considerations, but you may have different things that you want to protect. You may have completely different payment terms. You may have, um, yeah, you may have different obligations that you want to set out. If you're a consultant, you may have a different attitude to risk. You may have different levels of insurance and things like that. And it's, it's, it's all of these things that, that, that really fit into to what your terms and conditions look like. Now, I'm I'm a lawyer, so I appreciate I've got a vested interest in people coming to me and and asking for for their terms and conditions to be reviewed or 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 to be um, to be drafted by myself. Um, I guess just from that point of view, just you know, I'm sure Pete will circulate information of myself to to anybody who who wants to have my details. Just pick up the phone and have a chat with me, and I'll tell you quite honestly if I think. If I think you're all right and, and you'd be wasting your money with me, you know, I'd, I'm I'm not out to. I'm, not, I'm, I, yeah. not 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 stealing a living, Billy. That's no, for exactly. sure. Not stealing a living, mate. You're there to offer good quality advice, and uh, yeah, no, I think um, one of the best sayings I've ever heard is um, "free advice is worth every penny." Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's and, and uh, yeah exactly exactly right yeah exactly. Um, and I think um, I think sometimes it it is interesting when uh, when you think look at the mindset of like uh, you know I'm not I'm not gonna sort of belittle anyone but you know if if we as consultants let's let's take the consultancy role rather than looking at the external transport managers role but if we look at a consultancy role we want to charge people good money for advisory services. We need to be advised by the very best people to be able to then offer the best advice as well, if that makes sense. And and I've always seen it that way that you, you know, if you're if you're going to you you, you kind of need to walk the talk. You know, it's it's all well and good uh, offering offering services and offering advisory services, but you need to be able to sort of take that advice yourself, develop yourself as well, and uh, and sort of invest in making sure that you've got the right backing as well. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, that, that, otherwise you can come a cropper. 
yeah. Well, that could that could that's that's the same to be said for everything, isn't it? Really, whether it's accountancy, legal, or, or you know, business in general, surround surround yourself with people who are going to mentor you. Yeah. Really, definitely, Billy. You've been an absolute star. I've really enjoyed having you on. I've got one Hopefully. final question for you, mate. One final yep. question, and that is. I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big fan of people just do nothing. I don't know if you've watched it. Yeah. Uh, oh, mate, unbelievable. <laughs> former DJ, former DJ has not watched people just do nothing. It's uh, Corrupt corrupt it. FM. Okay, you'll have to watch it on iPlayer. It's very funny. Yeah. It's Corrupt FM. You've got, um, and you've got these guys on a DJ doing like garage type stuff, uh, yeah. garage type music and... Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. I was just wondering what your DJ name was. Was it DJ Billy Shaw? Or did you? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I just thought. I just thought DJ. I, see, I want to rename you to DJ B Shaw because yeah. I think that's brilliant. B Shaw, contact Billy Shaw. <laughs> let's 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 do it. I haven't. To, to be fair, funny story. I haven't DJed for a, for about eight years, right? So I've not I've not done it for a long time. Um, but I'm actually playing this Saturday, um, oh, a, a weekend thing. Um, so I'm slightly nervous, probably going to mess up umpteen times. Um, and no one's going to know, mate. No one's going to know. And no one's going to know. And no one's no. going to know. Unless no. the music comes off. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. But I really like that. I think I think that should be your new slogan. Be sure, be sure. Well, if Love the flyer it. hadn't already been printed, I'd, I'd be suggesting it. <laughs> brilliant mate brilliant uh, i really appreciate all your help and support uh, if people want to get in contact with billy you can find him on linkedin you are on linkedin aren't you yep. uh Rotherus, uh if you search them up and have a contact uh you can obviously give them a call on the main line and get in touch with billy that way as well um yeah is that it billy is there anything else have i missed anything no no no, not from my point of view i've, I've covered everything brilliant. that i wanted to just thanks for having me pete and uh thanks everybody for uh for listening to me off on about terms and conditions. <laughs> love it, love it. And uh, yeah, I hope, hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, uh, please do let us know. Uh, drop, a, drop a comment in. Uh, you know, what, what have you got in the way of terms and conditions and contracts? And uh, yeah, have, have a think about it anyway. Anyway, it's wonderful to have you on. Thank you very Perfect. much, Billy. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmutt. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.